0: Because A lot of people don't know who you are. Yeah, Yeah. it started off that that. way. It's like, you know, who's this guy? We haven't even introduced you, obviously, you know.
1: First he beats you in table tennis and he rubs (laughs) It's (laughs) a good start. It's a (laughs) good start. and start to the podcast. But like I was saying, I'll I'll introduce who Ali is to everybody, but I'll also link his LinkedIn and all the other stuff so you can kind of have a bit more of a context on who Ali is. But to us, for anyone who's in Melbourne, knows that Ali is a massive pillar to our community, especially the Muslim community, Mashallah, He's been involved in organisations such as the AFL, Essendon Football Club, Richmond Football Club. And beyond that as well, he helped run on and establish what was the Islamic Museum of Australia currently. And he's also had his hands in a bunch of other things as well, subhanAllah, whether that's... He wants to tell people about, he doesn't want to tell people about, but we'll touch on that later on, inshallah. But welcome, Ali for onto the Fair Deacon Podcast. Yeah. How are you feeling?
2: Alhamdulillah, man. I'm glad I made it. I feel uh, very honoured to be here after all those <laughs> guests you've had on. Uh, yeah. I was yeah. waiting for that phone call, finally <laughs>
1: came. Yeah, it was funny because I work, I work alongside Ali in a couple of uh, facets of what I do at, at my job. And every time I see him, I'm like, oh my God, I forgot to ask him. Oh my Allah, I forgot to ask him. Like every time, because there's... You remember how recently, only recently, we touched on that topic that we're going to speak yeah, about later yeah. on, and I was like, "How come I've never spoken to him about <laughs> like these these all these questions that I have, Subhanallah?" And I was like, "What better way to do it than after to all, you all on?
2: those mentions I gave you, you know, just <laughs> dropping a uh, silent hint? You <laughs> <laughs> finally got it, we are." No, I'm gonna give Bilal Ali
1: the credit for that one. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She's no. Ali, he's She's
2: Bilal Ali's one of your biggest promoters. <laughs> I reckon. I love the man. bloke,
1: man. Ali's the top bloke. I think he's leaving to Europe. Yeah, he's soon, gone yeah? today. Yeah, yeah, took off. Living the dream. Him yeah. and my mate. Actually, uh, he might even be on the same flight. Oh, no, no. But Taha's going. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> One of my other mates is going somewhere else. But they—they're they're probably both going somewhere. Anyways, let's discuss who Ali Fahor was. You know, before all of this stuff. Like, let's let's even take it back to the the, the day you were you were born. Yeah
2: what a day <laughs> yeah. 22nd, of 22nd, 22nd 1983 yeah. Yeah. what a day it was 1983 yeah 83 yeah. 39 years old time flies
1: you were born in australia correct
2: yeah so my mum and dad um obviously born in lebanon like most migrants came mm. here they didn't flee the war um just had relatives here and um who were living comfortably and talk mm. highly of australia and decided um time for a change you know so mm. Um, you know, my, my dad was working in Lebanon, um, comfortable, um, but decided to pack up and come here. So I had four siblings. So I'm, I'm one of eight kids. Yeah. Um, mashallah. And um, yeah, so four siblings come over um, with my parents and um, started life in Australia. And the other four younger ones, um, I'm the second youngest. I've got a younger sister,
1: just younger. Um, How old were cold you here. when she was born? Come on, be honest. How cut? Oh,
2: look, because she was a girl, you know. The boys always got a bit favourites. I was still the youngest boy, (laughs) so I still got still got uh, got looked after. They call me Mummy's boy still.
3: Still,
1: (laughs) (laughs) beautiful, yeah, bro. So, when you grew up, when when you grew up, you grew up in the north area, correct? Yeah. In the the northern, the Preston, the Coburgs. Um, What was it like when you were around? I'd say. 10 years old, 11 years old yeah. for a young Lebanese man in Australia at that time because yeah. you would have been, I think, just before the 9-11 incident? Yeah, yeah, Correct? Yeah. So 18. You, was, it, was it normal? Was it? Was there a bit of hostility towards Lebanese people or Muslims at the time or was it more so provoked by the 9-11 incident?
2: Yeah. Look, um, so my parents settled, obviously, um, like most Lebanese migrants in the Carlton Flats. Um, and growing up, you know, I probably um look back you know i grew up mainly in preston i was i was born in preston my parents had moved to preston um which was you know a very anglo um demographic a low socioeconomic graphic Mm. um you know and, and we grew up in a low socioeconomic household you know my dad worked in a factory um you know we didn't have much money and we knew that growing up you know um we didn't get to do a lot of things that other kids um got to do um but we're happy we're fine um My dad, and I actually, I I think about it now that I've got kids, you know, my dad sent us all to Catholic schools, Um, Mm -hmm. so I I grew up going to Catholic schools, I went to Sacred Heart Primary School in Preston, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. and then I went to Redden College, which was a Morris Brothers School, and my brothers went to St. Joseph's and Redden College, so Mm -hmm. we actually went to a Catholic school, really didn't, other than my cousins um, that we had close by, um, really didn't have any Muslim friends, Mm -hmm. um, but... My dad was always practicing. We always grew up in a practicing household. We used to go to Saturday school um, at Preston Mosque um, all the time, which used to kill me because the footy was on. And <laughs> I was trying to get out of it anyway I can to go to footy because I love footy. Um, and we all played local football um, for Preston RSL. And we we're probably the only Muslim kids um, playing football at Preston RSL. You know, I look back now and you see, you know, you got Hadfield and. You know, Newport, which got a lot of Muslim kids playing in the mm-hmm. same team and so much easier. We literally had no one. Like, we were the only one. So, we were the minority. Mm. Um, and growing up in that environment, as I said, the education system at that time, us growing up, from what my father told me, was much better than state schools or any Islamic schools. So, he wanted the best education for us. Even though financially he couldn't afford it because he mm. had to pay fees. He could have sent us to the state school up the road, mm-hmm. which was for free. Mm-hmm. Um Actually, Catholic school, Red and College, Sacred Heart. You know, said to my parents, look, whenever you got money, you pay. Oh, actually, so good to us um, growing up. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Like we just felt all we part of it. Don't get me wrong, it was hard. You know, like you're the only person fasting in the school. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah,
1: um, not even water. Yeah, love yeah, that one, bro. You <laughs> know, <laughs> and you
2: explain yourself every time. Yeah. um, you know, you got Ramadan. Um, you got your prayers. You know, you're different. You yeah, know? you do things differently every. Friday, they would, you know, go to church mm-hmm. and my dad would make me go. So, no, go, respect them. Yeah, you know, okay. You got your religion, they got their religion, but go and learn, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, obviously come home and, and you know what you have to do. But out of respect um, and for me to learn, he wanted me to experience it. And I look back to that, I reckon it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Even though my kids, I sent them to an Islamic school. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just feel like for my life experience, of what made me or who
1: I am today yeah so because <coughs> I like my, myself I ended up going to a, a Catholic high school so for me even watching the transition from going to a school like an Islamic school all my life and being kind of like in a box yeah. cradled and they they call they call people that go to Islamic schools cradled because then when they come out <laughs> yeah, they yeah, realize the that the world's real world actually uh, massive bigger than the especially Muslims, university bro, <laughs> the muslim the muslim population at universities is very very minute yeah. you're not yeah. going to it's like very hard done by to find a couple of mm. muslims that study the same courses you so like the only thing that i kind of like i can i can relate to you in is the fact that when i went there i understood a lot more people yeah. and and when i when i grew up i was easier it was easier for me to connect to different people yeah, because of that experience yeah. but in any way did you kind of feel that Know, that that like that like microaggression you know
2: that oh, of course you know you're a minority you know and you're different to everybody else and yeah, absolutely um you know and oh, i can just <laughs> instances just pop up at me all the time in terms of um growing up um in that environment especially going a footy club um where you know they have pie night, for example, yeah. and I'd go, oh no, no, my mum's cooked for me. I can't go. I gotta yeah. go. I got. I gotta go to my cousin's house. Come, I was dying for that pie or pizza. You know, <laughs> yeah. I just wasn't confident enough yeah. in myself. And back then, education wasn't like it is today. Exactly. To say to him, oh, do you have halal pie or do you have a <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, margarita pizza? But I used to just take off home. You know, and I used to feel, you know, I used to feel different. Feel like, geez, I just want to be a part of it. Um, even like. When my parents come, they would – and, you know, my dad, um, he was very supportive of me playing footy. And he loved, our, he loved the kids playing sport because it didn't distract them, distract them from the other things, you know. So he was big on us playing sport. And him and my mum, my brothers, they'll come to every single game, you know. And even till today in our community, that doesn't happen a lot, you know. And you got to think back in 90s when I was playing footy. Um, they were coming. The only pop, they were the only. My mum was the only hijabi, you know. My dad was the only one for beard. Um, but our whole football club would be on the hill over there yeah. with their parents having a drink, yeah. and my parents would be like the <laughs> on opposite. the other side, you know, in between both crowds, you know, <laughs> yeah. on their own, and um, you know, you just look back yes. at a younger self and and think, geez, I'll, I was in, maybe I was embarrassed. I don't know, um, but I felt felt different. You know, whether it was embarrassment whether it was just... I just want to be like them. Um, but I think about it now and I'm, like, so proud that <laughs> we didn't change who we are. Definitely, definitely.
3: Would you put your kids through that as well?
2: Look, I, I, I sent mine to an Islamic school. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I said, um, it was the best ex- experience for me, I believe, looking back. Yeah. Only thing I missed out on, I didn't have any Muslim friends. Yeah. Um, and alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, I don't know how, but... Um, still stay practicing yeah i never s- sort of missed my prayers mm-hmm. um you know i still fasted ramadan um, but it could have easily gone the other way very yep. easily so what i want for my kids is i oh, I send them to islamic schools because i want them to feel comfortable ramadan mm-hmm. learn quran um have muslim friends but also i put them in sports because i want them to have non-muslim friends i yep. want them to be exposed yeah. um, to that, so when they do come into adult life, <laughs> you know it's normal. Yeah, you know, they know how to communicate. They they understand different cultures for sure. Um, so it's really important. You can't. You got to have you know a balance. Yeah, I don't want my kids just going to Islamic school, just going to the mosque, just having Muslim friends, yeah. just going to a sports club that's all <coughs> Muslims as well. hundred percent.
1: Sorry, bro. I wanted yeah. to switch back to the football career. Yeah, because something I figured out. Yeah. Only it, was great yeah. it was a great career. It was a great career. I love the fact that I, I didn't know this because every time I look up Ali Fuhu on the internet, it's yeah, it's the, the one only thing. one thing that pops up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, none but of the good stuff. Yeah, huh? yeah, none <laughs> of the good stuff, subhanAllah. They're studying it in universities. <laughs> 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 but um, yeah, I want to touch on your v- VFL career. Yeah. yeah. Tell yeah. us a little bit about that, bro. Can't, can't I
2: lo- like I said to yeah, you, I loved footy um, growing up. My Whole family played footy. Yeah. We grew up in a footy household, you know. And um, well, so who do support? I, Sorry, did you support? who do I support? Yeah. Carlton as a kid, yeah. Um, cool. my whole well, family, was Carlton yeah. yeah. We had no choice anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I played footy all my life and then um, took it very serious. You know, I, I wanted to make AFL and to make the top level. Um, I had a footy in my hand yep. every day, I would sleep with a footy. Yep. Um, I remember the night before a game, I'd have the shorts on the socks ready to go, (laughs) you know. So um, I was passionate about footy. I love footy. Um, Yeah, I played through all the talent programs and then um, didn't make it to the top level um, for obvious reasons. It wasn't good enough. Um, but I told the boys, you know, it was this racism. I carved away for you guys. <laughs> yeah, I took yeah. the brunt of it, you yeah. know, you guys opened up a pathway for you guys. You but were playing the player. Yeah. But I uh I did play VFL, um, which was, you know, the second highest level of football. Um, the highest that I could get to at that point. And um I remember I played a year at um, Coburg Tigers in two thousand and one. They were aligned to Richmond the footy yeah. club. And it was pretty unreal, like you got to train at Punt Road Oval. Yeah. Felt Like you were, you know, Mm -hmm. a semi professional player, yeah. Um, but then I was 18, yeah. I was 18. Um, then I had um, I had a few injuries, I had my shins, I had to have them operated on. So then, oh, your shins, yeah. yeah. So I was out for a whole year, um, after doing a hard pre season. And I Mm -hmm. said to myself, No, I'm going back to local footy, yeah, just enjoy footy a bit. Mm -hmm. So I went and played local footy and said, You know what, I want to give this another crack and have a go again. So... I went to Carlton's reserves um, at that time. the Northern Blues. Yeah. Barry Mitchell was the coach. Yeah, um, he was one of the hardest coaches I ever played under, but probably one of the best coaches. Yeah. Played a lot of reserves games. You know, VFL reserves man. They're starting at eight a.m. You know. Yeah. Um, it was, well, I was quite. Kick-allus. Yeah, it was quite frustrating.
3: But <laughs> um, what was hard about your coach was it what he put you through. Yeah, he was just. Oh, he said said it at his words. Yeah,
2: yeah. he he was a hard coach, man. He's, Told You how it was, yeah. and, um, but he was so smart tactically, he was actually he taught us so much for footy. And then, um, I did that for three years, I played in the VFL there for three years, mm-hmm. um, and then I left and I said, I'll go back to local footy. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was got a job at Essendon Footy Club and I was working at Essendon at th- that time. Yep. I said, Why are you playing at Northern Blues? Come play with us, you know, Bendigo, they were aligned to Bendigo Bombers, you can train here. Windy Hill And you know Playing our VFL team And and you're working Here as well So yeah I ended up playing Two seasons um, At Bendigo Bombers And that was pretty cool Because it was a time They were transitioning Coaches as well So a lot of the um, AFL boys Who were around For a long time Like Mel Michael And Jason Johnson, Mark Johnson, oh, nice. and yeah. all these guys were playing in the reserves because they wanted to play the younger players in the senior. So I was getting to play with some serious AFL players, you know. And Mel Michael was a wall. Yeah, uh, he was a machine. He's actually a really good bloke. <laughs> like, he's actually a top bloke. Funny guy.
1: Do you remember the 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 scenes when um, Nick Rewalt broke his collarbone, and then Mel Michael was kept coming up to him, bumping him. him, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: Mind you, he's a gentle giant too. Yeah. He's actually, um, he's actually a really soft-hearted guy, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, played two seasons there and, um, finished up. Realised I'm not going to get drafted. I'm not going to play AFL and go back and play f- local footy with your mates. And yeah.
0: There's no return after that, like football uh, altogether. Yeah, like after this oh, Essendon,
2: yeah. yeah, the VFL was after that Essendon one. That was done, and then um, went and played local football at West Preston. Yeah. Um which was my local footy club. Mm. Um, ended up playing there um for uh six, seven, seven, eight years before I got the suspension, the life ban, um mm. which hurt, you know, because I played football when I was five years old, from when I was five, um, all the way to all the way through to the life ban. I think that was the only way I was gonna give it up to be honest <laughs> Yeah. <because I laughs> so they handed it to <laughs> Munda <it's> Silver. <laughs> Some of my off. teammates probably <laughs> yeah. thinking the club thinking maybe it wasn't a bad thing, it was long way to get rid of him. It was either like that
3: you're gonna injure yourself. Yeah.
2: But it was a good experience. The AFL taught me a lot um, as a player. Um, you know, I always have the, had the ambition to make it to AFL. But I keep telling these young guys that we work with that it's not easy. You yeah. know, like mm. you got to you got to have something really special. You know, you can't just be good or average at everything. You know, yeah. you got to have something special. And the guys that make it to the AFL, yeah. um, the best of the best. They, they got they got something special. They got something someone else doesn't have or most don't have. But then you speak to Basher and Adam and all these guys and they tell you, that was hard, but it's even harder getting an AFL game, you know. Being on the list with 42 other players was hard enough, but then being picked in the 22, yeah, so hard.
1: Week in, week out, especially.
2: Yeah. And the VFL, like, the VFL was fast footy compared to local footy, you know. It was fast. And then when the AFL boys come down, they say, well, go up to AFL, it's 100 times faster than that, you know, so... Sometimes when know. we watch on TV we think oh mate look at this guy you know That's but so kick here do this a yeah, handled here something. yeah but if it's <laughs> 100 times eyes. faster and uh, quicker than that VFL that was hard enough as it is
1: yeah felt like that. any any premierships
2: yeah I won one premiership at West Preston when I went back to play local footy yeah. um 2010 2010 we um it was my second year back there from the VFL and um yeah we finished we finished sort of on the bottom of the ladder the year before mm-hmm. And ah. then, um, and then we recruited a few players, and then won the premiership the following year. Oh. We've actually beat the team; they beat us twice during the season, they were undefeated. Mm. And then in the first final, we played them; they beat us by eighty nine points. Ooh. And then um, we beat them in the grand final.
1: Where where the football? Surely?
2: No, nah, it was actually a dry day. We just outran them, and everything went our way. Um, yeah, it was mm. my only senior. I won some in juniors, mm. junior footy. They were nice, but mm. in senior footy, they're special, you know, because yeah. they don't come around very often.
1: Um, on on baller or were you playing I started that? as an
2: on baller and then um, when I went back to local footy the last time
1: they put me at half back
2: yeah. and I thought what yeah. the hell I've never seen the back line in my life yeah, you know all, you all know. of a sudden now yeah. I'm half back but they reckon I never picked up a man I was the <laughs> most loose defender <laughs> uh, in local footy
1: but it's a Lebo curse I'm telling you in AFL <laughs> Well, Every time they get a Lebo in the AFL, they're like, "Oh, I know exactly where to put this guy. <laughs> Check <laughs> him on the half, half back. back, half
2: <laughs> back. That's where we belong. Some reason we can't run. Yeah, we don't have endurance. Yeah. Um, the Lebanese boys, you know, the it's Arabs. It's, I don't it's, know it's what all it the is. bread. That's probably the thing. All, yeah. <laughs> all the tabula and uh, <laughs> Arabic bread, huh? Yeah, oh, killer. The cubs don't, don't <laughs> last long.
1: Don't, we don't believe in spoons and forks, bro. You have to eat
2: everything with bread. But you know, sports and um, you know, we work with a lot of young people. We tell. You know p- Particularly parents Sports has so much Social capital You know It helps build your network Build friendships 100%. Gives you an outlet um, It distracts you from All the other things That you know Your friends might be doing Whether smoking mm-hmm. I remember Growing up in school You know and A couple of mates Would go around for a ciggy Or something like that And oh you want No nah, no, nah. 'cause Because my focus was footy And I mm. wanted to play footy And that's why I'm big on sports You know And this mentality, this community mentality we've got that, that distracts you from education yeah. is so incorrect. You know, yeah. all this research that we've done and there's so much research internationally and globally how sports actually helps your education. You know, it doesn't distract you from exactly. education. And so plus
3: it brings communities together as well. It's like, because even when you get older as well, even though everyone's got like their life going on, full-time jobs and this, that, yeah. it's one of those things people have like a common ground to. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's some boys that I probably won't see for months on end. But i'll see consistently at like basketball or something like that you know what i mean so it's like it's got this negative outlook
2: on it when in reality it doesn't But as parents as as generations are changing you know i think it's really important people understanding that hey if you know our kids play sport benefits Mm. benefits their education benefits Mm. socially doesn't distract them from it you know and, and parents are becoming more supportive which is important yeah great
3: you rather than play sport than have their hands nibbling and dabbling and other things, yeah, you know? Exactly. So Absolutely.
2: How, what was
0: your first job at Essendon? One
2: yeah, time. so I um I graduated um so at year twelve I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I know I love sports. I love kids um you know I'm pretty engaging as well. So I decided to do teaching. Mm-hmm. Um okay. so I did PE teaching. P E and maths were my two majors. Um, don't tell me how that combination works, being <laughs> maths, but somehow it did. My my brothers, um, and who were my role models, and they were older than me, all ended up in business, mm. and um, and I used to look at my brothers and think, you know, that they were working hard, you know, mm. yeah, they were getting paid good money and that, but they were working hard. And I said, you know what, I don't want to, I don't want that life. I like sports. I want to do something with mm. sports, you know, which. My, for my mum that was hard you know yeah. like all the others did their commerce degrees and yeah, yeah. Um, business degrees and um, I said no I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do teaching you know yeah, I'll yeah. do PE teaching yeah. at least I'll get that sport element yeah, it's um, and it was transferable skills as well so yeah. I ended up going to uni, um doing doing my degree P to 12 and then um, in my final year um, of uni I went to uh, East Preston Islamic College I was looking for um, teachers so yeah. I went to East Preston and that was one of the hardest
4: schools
2: <laughs> yeah. um, to work at. So I'm talking about 2000 yeah. and 2004, you yeah. know, um, and that was just opening, just starting, um, a mix of cultures. I think every expelled kid from around Australia <laughs> went to that school. Yeah. But you know what? It was actually the most <laughs> rewarding job when I look back now I've ever had. Yeah. Some of those kids are now adults <laughs> And um, you didn't go
3: there, did you? <laughs> no, <it's okay. laughs> why, why I'm laughing is because I went to the school just down the road from there. Oh, uh, did you? The red school. Maybe I should have taught there. Yo, yeah, trust <laughs> me, you should have. But the thing was, we used to do this thing where, because I don't think, I don't know what used to happen at our school, but we used to call it a prison. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, because there's there's that little creek that you got Prison on. was generous. <laughs> it was, it <laughs> was bad. We used to do this like cycling thing every single Friday or something at our school. You can tell the difference. Yeah, cause yeah. The school that I went to was low-key white as well. So every Friday we used to do this thing where we used to go to um, cycling and stuff. And we used to go down the creek just <laughs> behind Northland and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And then we, when we used to go past, I don't think these kids have ever seen a bike in their life. <laughs> you know, so we used to go past it all over
2: just on the gate like this. Lucky <laughs> they didn't bash you for it. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of it were the Somali kids and yeah. I guess Levo kids and from yeah. the area. But you know what? Like I look back, it was so hard but um, so rewarding as well. SubhanAllah. Yeah. Sometimes these kids are just looking for a role model or mm. just looking for an opportunity, someone, you know, to be their friend, someone look after them. So um, I still see some of them at the mosque now, you know, yeah. and they'll come up to me, hey, sir, I was, no, sir was 10 <laughs> years ago, 20 years ago, you know, but, you know, mashallah, sure they got kids now, or great jobs and things like that, you know, and I love seeing them. And <laughs> yeah. I, I was only teaching for a year, yeah. um, but also why it was so rewarding for me, I was 21 years old. Mm-hmm. you know I was teaching 11s and 12s as well They was 17 yeah. you know so there was like a really small <laughs> age <laughs> difference, difference between, between the yeah. two but so because I was playing footy and was playing VFL at that time I set up programs for him where I'd take them to Carlton Footy Club to watch them train yeah. so every day after school we'd do a gym session together yeah. um, I can imagine what
3: type of teacher you were
2: yeah, yeah. And, and you know what like they Respected me And I respected them Like when it was time To study in class They yeah. would actually sit there Quietly study Where next door Was yeah. bouncing off walls And things like that But You know Recess, lunch I would have sit In the staff room I'd yeah. be outside Having a kick with them mm. You know Kick to kick and We'd be playing footy I ended up putting up Goalposts for them In the back oval yeah. um, And I, honestly that, that time You know it was, Even though it was so hard And stressful I look back now And still say It was one of the most Enjoyable jobs I had Seeing these kids, you know, improve and grow in that short, very short period of time. So,
1: what made you change up and do other things?
2: Yeah, as I I said, you know, uh, football was my passion, Um, and I had this teaching degree. And um, at that time, this AFL started recruiting multicultural officers, um, you know, who would go out and help promote the game. Yeah. Um, to multicultural communities And it was just starting off It was, yeah. it was sort of 2005 um, And then Essendon Football Club um, Were looking for a multicultural officer Andrew Demetrio Was friends with my brother Ar- Ahmed um, And said hey Your brother does teaching Why doesn't he mm-hmm. look at this job I'm trying to grow multiculturalism in the AFL Crazy. So anyway I ended up applying for it mm-hmm. um, and, and getting the job And yeah working at Essendon From um, 2005 um to two thousand and eleven. I did the I did the multicultural role for it just over a year. Um and then uh, I thought to myself, you know, if I want to keep progressing and developing, um, you know, I've got to I, I love community, I love sport. Yeah. So there was a job at Essendon going mm-hmm. um at that time and it was with um it was with the partnerships team, corporate sales, you know, yeah. so a corporate sales executive and the CEO, Peter Jackson. I don't know if you guys know Peter Jackson, but he's yeah. probably it's one of the <laughs> <laughs> He's <not doing> <laughs> 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 Probably one of the best uh one of the best CEOs um at an AFL club. When Melbourne were struggling, they yeah. went and got him to come in and fix the club. So he was asking him for a long time. He was a hard ass man. He gave you nothing.
0: So did you work with the Oskick?
2: Nah, did not Oskick, nah. Okay,
0: so he didn't work um with the, any of the, like those type of things, with the programs? Yeah, so, I, programs?
2: so at Essendon I used to run, go out to schools, multicultural schools. Mm. And we used to teach them about footy. We used okay. to run clinics and teach them about footy. And at that time I was playing at Essendon's VFL team as mm. well. So there was a nice connection there. But this was probably the change in my career. The CEO of Essendon said, mate, you got a lot of, you know a lot of people, a lot of networks, corporates, you know, just from the environment I was in through my brother's. Um, he said, mate, we got this sponsorship corporate executive role going. Why don't you go for us? Man, I didn't study bloody partnerships or sponsorship yeah. or marketing. Yeah. Oh, I'm a community person. I'm a teacher, you know, yeah. by trade. And he goes, just have a go at it. Do it for 12 months um, and see. And subhanAllah, I ended up doing it for three years. Learned a whole different skill set, you know. And I encourage all the young people that are going through their sort of pathways um, in the football industry now is to go and do something like, you know, start there, keep moving around because the more skills you build in different areas. So I ended up doing that um, for three years. Um, So I was at Essendon for six years altogether Mm. and um, it was an awesome job. Mm. Mm. Imagine. And back then there wasn't all this red tape and, and, you know, bubbles and, you know, so you're one club, you're one team, you know, Mm. sort of trained... In the gym With the players um, mm. At that era Time was Kevin Sheedy Matty Law ah. You know um, I was there When Jill Sheedy's Last year as well yeah. And For a f- kid Fanatical footy kid. That's, yeah. Mm. Yeah.
3: Hey, that's a big name Yeah so, I was so good
0: yeah. When you worked For Essendon Did you start Supporting Essendon I did Yeah
2: you know <laughs> <laughs> Carlton Essendon Look my, my family And friends um, Still give me a lot of shit Because I've changed teams That many <laughs> times And Basher got drafted To Essendon, to Essendon. Yeah, yeah. Um, a years. year or two later SubhanAllah yeah. I was the only Muslim employee In the whole AFL industry wow. And the only Practicing Muslim Coming yep. into the AFL basher, And we ended up At the same club yeah. You yeah. know um, So I remember When he got drafted They got drafted as well Coming come to Essendon and I was wrapped Just to have another Another, another brother beard. There you know
3: Someone else with a beard so I said
2: to him I said oh man I got a prayer room You know we had In the studio it's not a little studio They said yeah. oh, was like in a dungeon, you know, Yeah, Yeah. Studio was. Like, <laughs> you can use that for your prayer room to do your prayer. Yeah, so when Bash came, I was wrapped. I was yeah. like, man, I've got this prayer room in the dungeon. Fucking like, no, good brother. I'll pray in the gym downstairs, left had an office, they had my office he, where you yeah. pray. I was in the dungeons, <laughs> you know.
3: He left you there alone. Yeah, yeah, he
1: left
2: me there, mate. He didn't come <laughs> up to the pray there.
1: So that's that's the story of how you and Basha got tight then, huh? Yeah, that was the
2: that was the um where Basher and I met the first day when he got drafted. Essendon, so we didn't really um, have any connection before then. We played a Team Lebanon game together. He doesn't <laughs> remember, I still remember because they're like, Oh, this gun's coming, he's 16 years old. And yeah. like, well, I'm the, I'm mom. the where gun, is yeah. guy <laughs> coming from, he's killing the limelight here. Chucked your heart um, back. <laughs> but he chucked doesn't remember it, but oh, I do. Uh, <laughs> Bay came, he was unbelievable. He was 16, was we 20, and he was killing it. Mm. Um, but Essendon, yeah, Essendon was where we built our relationship, um, you know. Working together, and he was playing obviously, and
1: so now you've you've kind of like established yourselves in that sales executive role at Essendon. Yeah. So the next step was the AFL. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So how how was the transition like? Tell us, how did you even get the job there? Yeah. The
2: As AFL. I said, like I, lo- I was loving my time at Essendon. You know, I was really enjoying it, happy there, great job, getting paid well. Um, you know, playing playing footy, um, but then um, the AFL were looking for. So they want to take the multicultural stuff really serious now and they want to put a national multicultural manager on wow. at AFL House to oversee the whole strategy nationally. Yeah. Um, you know, And I thought, well, it's probably a good opportunity. Um, someone flicked me, the PD, um, ended up catching up with Andrew Dimitri, who was still at the AFL at that time, mm-hmm. just to understand the role a bit more, what he wants out of it. Um, and, yeah, just to be in a national role, to work for the... Peak body, it's yeah. all made sense. So I applied for it, went through about four interview processes mm-hmm. um, and then ended up getting the job, um, which was pretty well. That was 2011, mm-hmm. uh, same year I had my first, my eldest son, oh, uh, born, born my first baby, yeah, and was born 2011 as well. Um, so yeah, I remember I had the interview and my wife was going to hospital you know pregnant I'm like shit can On you the same ho- day Yeah can you hold on man <laughs> i got to do this interview I didn't want to miss out on the job you <laughs> Yeah What'd um, you choose? Alhamdulillah we rescheduled <laughs> Made the, the right choice We rescheduled the meeting No no the meeting the <laughs> <laughs> We, we uh, rescheduled the, uh, the interview um, But yeah 2011 I took on the National Multicultural Manager role um, At the AFL So and it yeah, was a blank yeah. canvas um, Oh beautiful To work on And as I said Like all they wanted was engage a multicultural community to make yeah. a more diverse game. So, rather yeah. than just like a white type of game. Yeah. yeah. Look, it's you know it's no secret that the AFL was very white. You mm-hmm. walk around. I told you I was the only Muslim employee. There yeah. was no people of color yeah. at the in the AFL industry when yeah. I was there. Um, and on playing list, other than Indigenous, it was pretty white. So it was about how do we get more diverse players. Yeah. Playing the game, but also yeah. in administration, Engaging. also as fans. Yeah. Um, otherwise, they'll end up being the rugby union. Oh. That was our motto. Yeah. We didn't want to be the rugby union <laughs> um, of the sporting world.
1: You know yeah. what, what, why is that?
2: Because the rugby union is known to be a white, rich, Anglo sports. Oh, sport. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah. yeah.
1: Mm. Oh, union, not league. Yeah, union. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Even um, even if you look back in the history of NASCAR. NASCAR was like that as well. Mm-hmm. A lot of sports actually were like yeah, that you as well. Yeah. Money to get into that. Sport. Well, NASCAR yeah. was about to fall over yeah. until they started to strategically diversify <laughs> their their, ra- their drivers and yeah. the way they communicate to fans and the cost reduce the cost. So mm-hmm. yeah, we used to take um, a lot of those. That was our motto. Um, mm. We don't want to be the rugby union anymore. of the sporting <laughs> yeah. world. Yeah. It was a great time to enter that role. I was reluctant to leave Essendon, yeah. I to be, even though I got the job. Yeah. I was still hanging on. I didn't <laughs> want to leave. I was comfortable there. Yeah. I was yeah. part of the furniture. <laughs> Literally had a key to the place, you know. So yeah. Well, also,
1: what's What's crazy to me is the fact that you, at a time where it was very uncommon, to go ahead and do a job in your passion, yeah. you still decided to do it. Yeah. How did like, like, what advice would you give to a kid nowadays? Because it's much easier, yeah, to kind of go ahead and go. You know what? I'm passionate about this. Then make my way in it. Like, what? What advice would you give to a kid currently struggling with something similar to what you might have been struggling with at that time? If your older brothers being in business, yeah, and actually doing amazing at it, mashallah. Yeah. And and then you kind of just going, nah. You know what? I'm I'm not for it. Yeah. just I just want to kick a footy. Man. Yeah, I want to do something involved in footy.
2: Yeah, look, at the end of the day. Um, you don't go get to where you want to be instantly, you know. It takes time and, and you've got to try different things and, and, and navigate your way around. Um, you know, where where I, 15-year-old self, would thought I would be here today? No way. Mm-hmm. You know, like in the position I'm in or the roles I did, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I've got, you know, people tell you, what's your five-year plan, you know. Where do you want to be in five years? Where do you want to be in ten years? That's the biggest myth going around, like, you don't know, live like in the Adam. moment. Yeah. yeah, just that's what I always tell them these young people just live in the moment, enjoy the role you're doing, mm-hmm. do it as best as you can, and doors will open up, opportunities will open up, you know. Um, we always go by the saying, it's either opportunity or attitude. And most of the time, you know, with these young people, if you give them an opportunity, they'll take up both hands, you know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, yeah, it's just attitude gets in the way, um, you don't have the right attitude. To do that but yeah for me it's just living the moment you know take take your job whatever you're doing right now um best of your abilities don't look too far ahead yeah. because yeah. you end up going through different pathways different doors you know, meeting different people taking different directions so alhamdulillah yeah. i've always been of the view that whatever role i was in you know yeah. i was gonna just continue to do that and for opportunity opened up that i was passionate about you take it yeah.
0: Yeah. How about if kids like this uh I know a lot of people who just like, for example, even like my brother. He just loves soccer and he would love to find a job in it, but doesn't know. And there's a lot of other people in the same thing with footy. They just love footy, same as you, and they're just not sure. Like, for example, you're 18. If you said, "Hey, we're going to be a multicultural officer," you're like I just want to play footy and I'm yeah. not sure. But then you start to realize that even being a multicultural officer in the AFL in Essendon Football Club, you're still around footy. Yeah, you might not be on the pitch, but the pitch is like even for AFL players, they're barely on the pitch. There's That's all the right. stuff outside of work. There's the mental yeah. training. There's the strategic. You know Planning Watching film There's so many other sides to it So what would you say For young people Say like under 25 That want to get a job In the AFL yeah. In the footy industry
2: Yeah this You know Through the Bashwuli Foundation Alhamdulillah We started an employment program We open up opportunities Through traineeships mm. Giving people jobs um, Job experiences But What I do say um, To these people Who want to get Work in sports Is You can still be an accountant And work in footy You can still be a lawyer And work in soccer mm. You know So You you know, just because they're a football club or the AFL body, we still have all those um, employees working in the industry. So on know AFL house, we had a whole legal department, a whole finance team and you're still working in footy, which is great, you know. So you still get that um, passion um, that you live and sure. and, you know, part of part of a culture, a football culture as well, as well as, you know, fulfilling your whatever career pathway you want to fulfill. The other one I'll say as well, what I learnt going through the pathway and being involved in the AFL for 20 years now is mm-hmm. that it's all about your networks. Well, There's no hidden secrets, who True. you know, you know, what relationships you have. Yeah. Always helps open the door, you know, as much as people deny it. Yeah. Um, networking is, is so important. I often tell young guys, if you really want it, you're passionate about it, go and volunteer. Start as a volunteer, yeah. you know. Volunteer some time, you'll build a relationship here, you'll build a relationship. So many people I know within the AFL industry started to volunteers, ended up working there within three months, six months, nine months, mm. and getting jobs because, you know what, they showed them what they're capable of, they showed them their commitment, um, and, you know, they built relationships and they ended up working in there. So, for example, your brother who loves soccer, want, mm. potentially may want to work in soccer, mm. and ring okay. up a Melbourne victory, I want to volunteer in your community team, I want to volley... Mm. Volunteer, yeah. yeah, you know, and and volunteering. Everyone's looking for volunteers, so just yeah,
1: know
3: exactly. It's a free job. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no one's gonna wanna not pay someone.
1: I want to go back to um the diversity role that you did at uh during your stint at the AFL. What's the best initiative that you felt like you introduced?
2: Yeah, um there's a few. <laughs> as, I, as I as I said, I had a blank canvas, you know. Yeah. Um, and I had great managers as well um, who just gave me the autonomy mm-hmm. to be creative, um, go out and speak to community and do what you have to do. So I was there for six years um, and my roles kept changing. So I started as multicultural, then I took on Indigenous, mm-hmm. um, then I took on diversity. So I was head of diversity um, for the AFL. But I think um, I worked a lot with players. I brought them on as ambassadors. There was Australia Post multicultural ambassadors. So mm-hmm. Basha Hooli, Sean Burgoyne. Silky Nick Nat Nui mm. All these guys You know I said to them You're going to work One day a week And develop a program For your community You know And that's where Basha started The Basha Academy Nick Nat started His Nick Nat Nui Academy mm. You know So each player um, Was the face um, Of our diversity um, yeah. Program mm. Or a multicultural program But they're also Working in the office One day a week Doing Developing programs For their community And what mm. their community needed That was pretty cool Um But I reckon Multicultural Round was, um... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did that you multicultural start Multicultural Round Footy? No, it's Indigenous. That's one. Indigenous Round. Yeah, Sorry. that started... We'll get a Multicultural Round um, for you. Yeah, yeah, better get a Multicultural <laughs> yeah. Round Footy. He's
1: going to get a 4 us, bro. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Take that back. Just, um... <laughs>
2: I remember sitting uh with my brothers, and you turn on the TV, and it's Multicultural Round, and you see, like, the 50-metre line, um, number 50 in different languages, or um the footy, mm-hmm. you know, the way it was yeah, designed, the, the footy and, stuff, and the yeah. patterns, and... Think, man, that's all the work we did. You know, we started this, you know, and then you're sitting home on the weekend, you're watching the commentators talking about it, and you're like, man, oh, you know, I'm leading this space. It's, that was pretty cool, um, you know, to see the fruits of your work on national TV, hundreds of thousands of people watching. Yeah, Um, so, yeah, I reckon, um, I reckon those two sort of stand out the most for me.
1: I also know that. What we learned before the podcast was you started Unity Cup as well. Yeah. Unity
2: Cup. Unity Cup was one of my first at Essendon. That was before AFL. Oh, okay, oh, there you that go. That started at Essendon, I think I reckon 2007, 2008, with Sam Al-Magrabi from the AFP. We partnered with the AFP and we started that Unity Cup as well. It's um, funny
1: because I played in it. Growing no, up myself did you? Yeah, yeah I played in Alhamdulillah yeah,
2: It a come, to come a long p- way Since you yeah, played yeah. in there <laughs> 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 Yeah,
1: well uh, You know that Like sometimes I look at the kids In the Bashuli Foundation yeah. Like remember When we are uh, at the MCG I was just looking at these kids Playing I'm like Fah, where was this 10 years yeah, ago? Yeah,
2: yeah. Harry, Bashar Ahmed Saad myself, We all say that to him. You know I wish we had these programs yeah. That you guys have got today
1: Like it's amazing Because these kids don't see What the actual work Behind the scenes was like Yeah You know and you have people like yourself and Bashar and Ahmed Ad and Adam and they're kind of blazing the trail, you know. Yeah. That's correct. Trailblazers. Trail, trail, trail Trailblazers. Yeah. Blazing the trail. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. <laughs> so they're blazing the trail for you guys to have these opportunities, you know. Mm. And and a lot of the times, I think that that kind of speaks a lot to the respect we should give to the people who are older in our community, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. Because so, there's a lot of work goes on. Un, yeah. Unseen. Look,
2: and you can't you can't continue to emphasize on the kids. That oh we didn't have this you you guys are lucky you have this you know yeah um you know what it's actually expectation now mm-hmm. you know? um because if we don't get it there we'll go get something else over there so um yeah we 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 don't like to we often say it to ourselves wish this was around but we don't, we try not to um you know <laughs> pass it on to the next generation because um you yeah. know this this generation is expecting that. And if you don't give it to them, they're going somewhere else and yeah, they'll get, get it, it, you know. Yeah. So, um, this is their era. This is their time. Alhamdulillah, we've, you know, in the business world, we've had some successful role models. In the media world, we're starting, you know, Walid Ali and Nazim coming through and, you know, obviously Basher and Adam, um, Amitsad playing AFL football as well. For
1: yeah, definitely. So I'm, I'm now bringing it back to the start where we spoke about the family life having a brother like Ahmed you know one of the biggest CEOs in Australia currently or at the time as well when he was at Australia Post and there was a bit of controversy there but we'll come back to that (laughs) inshallah it's a conversation (laughs) in a bit like how did you feel in and amongst having such successful brothers yeah did you feel like empowered or did you feel kind of like belittled in that regard because a lot of people I know would see that success as kind of like a challenge or some of them would see it more so as like a like a hindrance. Does yeah.
2: that make sense? No, no. Look um, you know, my father is, you know, the ultimate role model, um, who set the standards mm. for us. Um, he was hard but so fair and, and loving and caring at the same time. Um, and then my brother was our rock, you know, who as I said to you, we grew up in a low socioeconomic family, but um, you know, never did we miss out on anything. Our family, my parents were always proud. But I didn't realise, because um, I was quite There's 17 years difference between me and Ahmed, um, my well, oldest brother, yeah. Well. Um, so I'm, you know, uh, 17 years between us two. So it's a big big gap, you know. Yeah. And he um, he pretty much left home when he went to uni. You know, he went studied. He was living on site. So I never really grew up or had much memory of growing up. Um, with him because then he got his job and he went overseas. He worked in Canada, um, but it was probably when I was, I reckon, maybe seventeen or eighteen, um, you know, he went to New York, and I really started to understand, um, you know, how how successful he'd become, um, or was on the rise of becoming, uh, mashallah. Um, but what I always knew growing up was he always looked after the family, um, so he was the one that paid our school fees um you know he was the one that was helping my mom and dad mm-hmm. um financially so he was he was like a father figure to us you know um so when he was living in america and he'd come home um you know he'd stay at, at parents house and you know would look I'd look up to him like he was my dad you know mm-hmm. and and respect him like he was my dad um i remember um you know, every time we used to go back to America, he used to leave 50 bucks on my bedside <laughs> table, you know. I was he was like, that old brother." I was yeah. like, he's... Like, I was like, um, <laughs> then I found out how much he was earning overseas. <laughs> I <was> 50, <laughs> he could have made it 100. <laughs> <laughs> um, but never did he um, leave us short of anything, you know. SubhanAllah, he was... Um, just loved his family so much, um, you know, and, and, and helped the whole family um, for whatever they needed that regard. But yeah, he was um you know, for me to have someone like that to grow up and bounce things off. Mm. Um so, you know, going for this job or something happened at work, you know, I'll always ask his opinion. Oh, okay. Um but our life pretty much turned upside down, and Like literally yeah. you have gone from, you know, um passing down T shirts mm-hmm. to getting invited. Like he'd take us with us corporate box to the tennis and yeah. James Packers, yeah. you know, I remember <laughs> I went to Crown Casino we stayed in of like James Packer's apartment. Wow. I'm like, man, I grew up in Preston. <laughs> you know? like the Colton Flats. Fighting for food from the <laughs> table, you know. No, no, no. Literally, man, like when I was 18, uh, like I just, our uh, life just flipped on its head because he had got a really well-paying job. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said, he was looking out for family, so we'll go into like VIP events yeah. and mm-hmm. things like that, you know, buy nice shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, even though my mum's because he was so successful, all the expectation lifted yeah. on us, yeah. <laughs> you know, around yeah. around education. Yeah. Um, How did yeah. that make you feel? Nah, look, all my mum wanted was a degree. Yeah. You know, she was big on education. She just, whatever you have to do, play whatever you want, to play, but just get me a degree, yeah, you know. Yeah, bring back a certificate. Yeah. And that, and that I could see why she wanted it, because mm. it's going to help me in my future, and that's yeah. what she cared about. But, yeah, he's, um, you know, still to today... I, we do this gratitude um program as part of the bachelor academy where you you know you write a letter of Mm -hmm. gratitude um, to someone that you know sometimes growing up you don't don't express yeah how you really feel about someone yeah especially as guys and um i remember i wrote a wrote him a letter you know about how grateful i am for everything he's given us all Mm -hmm. it's not just financial yeah like he made us feel confident you know i'd walk into the afl house like i'd like, I was the CEO, you know, yeah. just because I, I know I had his support and his backing and his relationships, you know. So, um, yeah, he made us stand taller, um, you know, made us even, like, personally have take more risks because you had him to fall back on, you know. Exactly, yeah. um, so that helped as well um, along the way. But, yeah, it's the little things that always remember um, and be
1: grateful for. Sometimes you know, like even for us Muslims, yeah, like we see somebody, for example, like your brother Ahmed in a position of, mm. like uh, that stature, you know, and we look looking, we go, "Fire!" So it is possible, you know. We see yeah. the Woolley Dalis, we see, yeah. we see um, Bashar, we see Adam. You know, like Adam and Bashar have done probably one of the hardest things there is to do in football. Yeah. Like they're all Australians, you know. Like how many people do you know that have played AFL can say yeah. that? Yeah, not right. many. No, you know what I mean. So like beyond that, we like we see. People like yeah, like your brother, and we go, fire oh, okay." So it is possible to get in those yep. areas. Yeah, it is possible to c- become a CEO one day. You know, yep. which you are gonna have to end up getting us on the podcast. going to his you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, get we'll up to, to, to yeah, the yeah. mansion. <laughs> no,
2: but you know, the one thing as I got older is the more appreciated what he's been able to achieve. Um, you know, from from a um, from a corporate um, sector. Like, to think about, you know, CEOs um, around Australia, you know, most of them, father or the mother, you know, they've come through private tuition, yeah. passed down generations, mm-hmm. white angler, you know. Like, for him to break through that and yeah. be a CEO, I, I probably didn't respect or understand that, or recognise that probably until I was, you know, late 20s. Yeah. So I just think, well, you know, like, Imagine, like, yeah. he probably had to be a thousand times smarter to get that job you yeah. know, than anybody else. Yeah. Um, and we know it's dominated by, you know, that that CEO is, you know, the really educated yeah. rich. And then I just I remember five years ago, um, just reading about him somewhere. And, you know, he was CEO of Nab of Australasia at the age of thirty six. Like, mm-hmm. I put that in perspective. I reckon I was around thirty five at that time and I was managing five people and I thought I was you know, <laughs> doing a stressful job, you know, I'd yeah. made it. You know, thirty thousand employees, one the largest bank, you know, top four banks, and thirty six is a CEO. Like yeah. I was I was so proud, like I was think and I reflected back on I said, Man, how'd you even do that? you know, like yeah. just think about that. Yeah. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. It's, it's good role models to have especially role models that you don't just you know think in the community world well, but people you can communicate with Yeah. ask for advice because that's literally what you want because like you've um, stated that throughout the jobs he's helped you or, or some of the other brothers helped you network to get the jobs Yeah. and then whenever there's been mistakes you were able to ask them questions so it's oh. a beautiful opportunity that you made the most of
2: yeah alhamdulillah you know I remember going through all my working life and I was saying oh you know you need a mentor you need a mentor I'm like, you need a mentor? Yeah, I don't need a mentor, you know, because yeah. then you know, I used to have fake mentors, you know. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, I'll just go along with another and have a mentor. But really, my mentor was my brother, you know, because anything I needed to, I would go and ask them. It would be you know? him. Mm. And I had four older ones as well, you know, and, and they all had different experiences that you could bounce different yeah. questions to. Um, but I said to him, um, this was a year ago because he's retired now. He's still at latitude, but yeah. he's finishing up um, soon, and he's going to retire. And I said to him, because you know, growing up, we just seen how stressed he was and how much he'd work. Man, he was a workhorse. Like mm. I'm saying, he would work crazy hours and stress and running. Like he was a hundred miles an hour, you know. And um, I said to him, you know, not long ago, I said, man, if you could turn back to armored and be 18 again. Would you follow the same pathway, you know, considering everything you sacrificed, all the stress you went through, everything you gave up, you know to just have a normal job and just you know earn a couple of hundred thousand mm-hmm. a year um and just not have the stress you carry now and he said he said, nah, I don't because I wouldn't have been able to help all my family, you know, and that's what that's what made me happy of what I did was mm-hmm. I was able to help other people, so yeah, I really respect him for that and other thing is, like, you'll see most people who become successful, you know, change their name. Like, he was so proud to be Muslim. Australian. He never changed Ahmed to any other name. You know, mm. he kept his name. And that was one thing he said that I'll never allow anyone to do was to change my identity or who I am. You know, so that's why I encourage people. You know, they've got beautiful names like Muhammad. You know, and they change to Michael. Mm. Look, everyone for themselves. No. Well, they don't judge anyone, but. You know, if you got a Muslim name, like be proud of it, I'm proud of it, because yeah. you can still get to where you want to get to. It yeah. might be harder, mm-hmm. you can still get there. You know, and they, those guys have proven it.
1: Well, this is the part I think he's getting. <laughs> he's like thinking, "I, know, he's I knew we we're, <laughs> were going there. I knew we were going there." Let's warm I was hoping up. to <laughs> keep talking about Ahmed <laughs> so we can uh, <laughs> deflect. Don't worry, Ahmed will be able to talk about Ahmed inshallah, when it comes to the physical podcast. But um I wanted to I wanted to warm you up with probably an easier one than the other one, the other the other incident. But obviously there was um Ahmed was working at the time at Shalia Post. Yeah. And there was a bit of controversy surrounding around what he was earning at the at the time. Yeah. Which is probably I think Mashallah at the time was the highest any CEO was getting paid in Australia. Is that well, correct? Uh,
2: for a government role. Yeah. For a
1: government role. Yeah. And then you had a certain someone with red hair who decided <laughs> to, you know, chime in <laughs> yeah. as, as she does, an opportunist in that manner. Tell us a little bit about what that was like for the family. Yeah,
2: you know? obviously you don't like, um, you don't like seeing anyone get attacked. But to put it in perspective, <laughs> I think people didn't realise this. He came back from America and I think he took something like a 40% pay cut mm-hmm. to run NAB, which was a big paying salary and they were banging on about how big of a salary was getting he actually took a pay cut to come back home mm-hmm. you know and took that job and then he took another pay cut you know to go and run australia post who who were literally gonna shut shop you know the wow yeah well, they better shut down yeah because the yeah, digital world yeah, going true, through they were losing millions and millions yeah. of yeah. dollars um they'll pretty much you know yeah if it wasn't a government run you'd shut it down close the door exactly. hand the keys back you know um he transformed that whole business into I can't remember what sort of numbers but something phenomenal um in terms of a business, you know, it turned it into a digital digital business who's generating a profit for the government. Um and people like Pauline Hanson were having a go at his salary. <laughs> if it wasn't for him, there would be no Australia Post, yeah, you know. True. Um he transformed it into a, a you know, multimillion dollar uh, yeah. business for the government. Who'd taken a pay cut to take on this job, so you know um it was so disappointing for all the hard work he'd done, you know to have people commentating on you know on his salary um where they didn't look at the business performance and where it was and what it got to and mm. what he'd been able to achieve um but you know he was pretty content, you know he was had done what he had to do um he's pretty strong character. So, yeah, it was. It gave Pauline Hanson a bit of a whack because she couldn't even run her fish and chip shop, which was <laughs> quite funny. Um, let alone a uh, uh, you know <laughs> a, a post office, a whole yeah. entity. Yeah, exactly. It's
0: interesting when people don't have the bigger picture thinking. It's like sometimes you know we see with like I see in soccer players they get signed for like eighty million or a hundred million. And they're like, oh my god, how do they spend the hundred million on yeah. them? Then they show the first twenty four hour jersey sales, jersey sales yeah. and they're like they've already made a profit. Yeah. Exactly. And we're like, how do they spend so much? Then it's like, they already made it all back. Yep. And they're going to make it back. Like when Ronaldo came to United and all these big signings happening. And the people like, you know, with that short focus, short mind, they're like, oh, how can you get paid so much? And then it's like, but look what the profit he's done. Yeah. Oh, okay. And how can you pay so much for an athlete? Look what the profits he's bringing to the community. And it's like, oh. And, and mind
2: okay. you, what he was getting paid at Australia Post, if it had been in the private sector as a CEO, he would have been on 10 times that money, but because they made a big deal because it was a government-based yeah. um, business mm-hmm. um, that they, they shouldn't be paying that much and I'll try and compare to Prime minister salaries, etc. Mm. but <laughs> if you want to go get a <laughs> public servant to run um, a big business like that, like mm. I said, they probably would have handed the keys back and shut the doors. Um, but yeah. Well, yeah, Pauline Hanson just wants airtime. Yeah, sure. she's um, she's rubbish. Yeah, I don't think it bothered him very much to be honest
1: with you. Okay, beautiful. that. Brings us to our next <laughs> <laughs> our next assignment. <laughs> so um this is me remembering it from my end, yeah? Yeah. So I've turned on the news and I'm pretty sure this would have happened just after that incident with your brother mm. and Pauline Hansen, if I'm not mistaken. S- subhanallah everything works, but um you've you've obviously punch the bloke in a, in a football game and we'll obviously get the, the full story Yeah, now which is an exclusive <laughs> you know we'll, we'll you get me in trouble play. again man <laughs> <laughs> I just finished up I just closed that chapter <laughs> Bring no, it back but up. definitely definitely um, by the
3: way guys there's 80% of you guys who watch our videos are actually not subscribed so <laughs> stop the video right here <laughs> my voice cut out stop the video right here subscribe I'll give him a second now we can resume the video. Enjoy.
1: I think it's I think it's it's important that you at least get your piece because I know that a lot of the times we heard from the guy, we heard from everybody else in the world and their opinion on the situation, but we never heard it from yeah the man himself. You know, so I'd love to get your perspective on the situation and maybe give a little bit of context so people can understand who don't know exactly what's going on, yeah. or what I'm talking about here.
2: Well, let me tell you, I was bloody uh, talk about. 17, 18-year-old, our whole life changed. Mm-hmm. That happened again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that happened again in 2017. 1st of July, 2017. Uh, life changed again. It flipped on its head. Um, things were going so well. Alhamdulillah. Um, I remember also as part of Basharulie program, Richmond did this Triple H thing where we talk about a hero, a hardship and a highlight in your life and we implemented it in our programs as well. i just sit back and 2016, I don't even have a hardship, you know. Wow, like, honestly, people are talking about close people passing away, sicknesses, um, you know, lost jobs and things like that. And I used to think to myself, I've got heaps of highlights, heaps of heroes. I actually don't have a hardship, life's pretty good, you know. Um, but subhanallah, 2017, that all changed, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so yeah, I think you're referring to um, the incident on the football field, yep. um.
1: I was talking to RJ.
2: That's the only thing uh, that's ever got me in media. (laughs) But, um, yeah, it was was such a challenging time and something I haven't spoken about publicly since. Obviously, you know, you share feelings and emotions with Mm -hmm. friends and family, um, but nothing public um, at this stage, so... Yeah, this is for first, but what do you want to know? <laughs> well,
0: well, for people that don't know, because sometimes people just aren't in the footy scene, they're soccer yeah. fans, basketball, um, can you explain to us what happened? first yeah. of
2: Yeah, so I was working at the AFL. Um, I was head of diversity for the AFL. Um, loved my job, loved everything about it. Um, and it was a public role, you know. I was having meetings with Prime Minister, Malcolm Turnbull photos, so, you know, executive team. It was a very public role. But I was playing local football For West Preston It's my team um, And one of my best mates Who we'd work together Ahmed Saad We're playing in the same team as well He come from St Kilda You know yeah. um, So he'd get picked on a lot And you know As an older brother yeah. um, You're always trying to protect um, mm-hmm. Your fellow brothers Out in the footy field But I remember we were playing Whittlesea, um, And um, We drove out there was In such a good mood There was four of us in the car mm-hmm. We drove out there Feeling was good We were like the team to beat We had an awesome team You know And they were down The bottom of the ladder But anyway So we're playing And then um, a fight broke out A little scuffle broke out And I was You know one of Part of the leadership group I was one of the coaches And I thought You know what I was playing half back And it happened In the sports <laughs> line I was like I'll go in there And break it up Because we had a free kick mm-hmm. I want us to kick the goal You know So I'm running in there To break it up And as I'm As I'm running in And I'm getting closer I see three guys Attacking armoured one had him in a headlock. One had his arm there. Another guy was punching him, and then, you know, just in that spur of yeah. the moment, um, you know, I, I reacted, I retaliated, um, and and punched a guy that you know obviously everyone's seen on on the video footage that looked pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and after I'd done it, I was I was like, shit, you know, what have what have I done here? But I went in to protect you know a teammate you know um, and that's what you do footy that's like you, you get a pat on the back for that you know Yes <laughs> protecting your mates um in that in that scuffle so yeah look um and I must say on record and make sure you put this on that it was a poor decision yeah know? like you should never react that way you should never handle the situation that way so at no point am I defending my action because mm-hmm. the action and I'm still genuinely believe the action was wrong. Regardless someone getting bashed, a fight happening, you know, coulda have, could've have broke his jaw, could've killed him, mm-hmm. you know. Um we've heard of the one punches and mm-hmm. so from that perspective, you know, it was poor decision making on the spot. But you know, in the spur of the second, heat of the battle, footy field, or gonna happens every week yeah. in a football ground somewhere around Australia. It definitely does. You know, it's it's you know, a lot of ego, a lot of um, you know, um, heat and Yeah, so that happened And I remember getting sent off And I was like, alright Sent off, i got a got a red card um, But, you know, I helped armor and stopped it, And it was like, it was nothing Like, the guy kept playing, Alhamdulillah There was nothing wrong with him He played the whole game After the game, you know, sort of The, the crowd were you know There was a bit going on with the crowd, you know They're But chirping. Yeah, they were chirping, um, they were disappointed, they were angry And, you know, I was disappointed I got sent off you know. <laughs> Then I got yeah. two weeks, they gave me two weeks suspension For for getting a red card, so yeah. the umpires gave me a two week suspension Yeah, I remember going going home, thinking about it and I was like, Fuck oh, man, now I got rubbed out for two weeks, you know It doesn't look good But never did I think anything more of it than that um, And then... I remember Monday morning here and I got a f- I was on the gym, I was in the gym on the on the bike and um I started to get a text message on SEN. SEN but oh, that's grouse, you know what are they talking about? <laughs> it's like, Oh man, you punch someone on the footy field and they're talking about that. So it started very slow, like just yep. a few comments. And then um by Monday afternoon it was like crazy, man. The media had jumped on it and were building up this story around it. And my wife rang me. It was like 2 o'clock On that Monday I was working I was at work And um And she goes Channel 7, Channel 9 Outside our house <laughs> What? They go, "They got the vans Parked outside the house I was like Well don't answer the door You know Like, like What's going on here You know like, I've never been in trouble In my life yeah. I've never yeah. Done anything wrong You sure. know I was a nerd Yeah Um And yeah Channel 7 there Channel 9 So I went to the media manager Um AFL And she's like Come to the CEO's Office Let's have a chat I said man Channel 7 channel 9 Outside my house There's a, a Footy incident Happened But I didn't think Anything of it Like I got Two weeks for it but, uh, And the vision Had come out From the game And it had looked Like the vision Looked so bad yeah. You know yeah. But it doesn't show Him getting back up um, Playing the whole game yeah. And you know Do you
0: know who? Okay. They
1: brought him Back on the news And he started speaking As if he was A massive well, victim
2: yeah, look, I don't want to comment about him. I'll say it. Mm. Yeah, I don't <laughs> want to comment about him. But what I can say is um Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, he didn't have any physical damages yeah, from that definitely. punch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. And and that's a blessing, mm. you know, 'cause I would have been shattered if I had broke his jaw or knocked him out unconscious mm. or something like that. That 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 so Alhamdulillah, nothing was wrong yeah. with him from a physical aspect. And he played the whole game. But um yeah, I remember I remember so clearly. We're sitting in the office, and I'm, she's the media manager. You know, I was telling the CEO what happened. I was like, "All right, it's all right. We'll work through it, blah blah." And they said, "We got to do a press conference to move them from your house. We have got to do a press conference." Mm. There was about ten people in the CEO's office by then. You know, I'm so thinking, "What the hell's going on here?" Now I started to go into a bit of like, "All right, what's yeah. happening?" Yeah. yeah. So then we ended up doing a press conference, which is probably. One of the things i regret doing to be honest with you yeah. Mm-hmm. um yeah i th- i think it just fed the media The more yeah yeah i think it just fed them um you know i went out there and literally every single news channel was out there was that there. Yeah. the afl house? house yeah it was packed bro i walked out lights everything i'm like what the hell i went out by myself mm-hmm. you right. know um, I'm not with a CEO, back. not with you know someone else.
3: PR yeah, um, trained? No,
2: nothing. Nothing. Just threw me to the wolves. Yeah, <laughs> and um, I just made a statement. I wrote a statement with the media guys and read the statement, um, and then took off. You know, no answering questions or anything like that. And then the media storm happened from there. Man, it got worse. But I got home, like I couldn't believe it. I got home, there was a murder, but like, I was first. <laughs> <laughs> the breaking news. <laughs> Ali for this Before a murder. Yeah. I was like, what the hell this can't be true? Yeah. And then like I thought, okay, I'll have one or two days. Generally a media go hard, one or two days. Man, this went for days and days. And my tribunal wasn't till Thursday. So I'd be um I'd be driving to work or driving home and on SEN or Radio three AW, all the radio stations, I'd feed guys calling up, you like, oh yeah, this Ali. You know, yeah, no, nah, you should be sacked. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Oh, so I turned off my radio. And then, you know, I get home, news and, and newspaper, front page, I think 10 days straight, front page, back page. Yeah. I was like, man, this is, I'm, I'm living another world, man. How's man. your address get leaked, though? <laughs> I don't know, man. I <laughs> <Everyone laughs> <laughs> have no idea, man.
3: Huh?
1: Huh? Nothing's a secret anymore, I'm telling yeah. you. I think white literally, pages, you
0: literally just name, phone number, and like they give had yeah. media
2: camped outside my house for a week. One of those movie type
0: of
3: moments, you know what I mean?
0: That bad happens. And all the But it's like outside. it's a punch saying murder. Yeah. And murder. I, I'm pretty sure that murder wasn't um, like spoken about the next day. It's like no. a one day thing. Yeah. Someone passed, a f- you know, a 15 year old, a 25 year old, something happened, car accident, mm-hmm. and they don't bring it up. It's like these 10 days. Mm-hmm. Or.
2: So I'll make it clear. I didn't just randomly pick a bloke and punch him. Yeah. yeah, so there, yeah, was yeah. A, there was a fight happening yeah. which he was involved in. Mm-hmm. And, for, you know reasons are the reasons yep. you know i'd retaliated the way i did but in saying that i, I want to reiterate that it's still not the right thing to do yep. and i and i tell all the younger guys that we've come through our programs is this could have been like so much worse for me you know like as bad as it is it could have been even worse Cause imagine yep. that one punch got him in the wrong place or but the media took it out of context though, as well oh man the media were, i i It's unprecedented what happened. I'm telling like my brother, uh, Gil McLaughlin, CEO. Why are they going so hard? Like a local footballer, Mm -hmm. mate. I can take you to any game, at least one game a week, where something similar is happening. But I understand. I worked at the AFL. I was a role model. My brother Ahmed, you know, there's a connection there. Muslim, Um, to be front page, back page. Every news channel, every radio station, Mm -hmm. you know, for a whole week straight, Mm -hmm. you know, when there's murders going on, wars and, you know, getting third and fourth pages, I was like, man, this Mm -hmm. is going way over the top. If you had a, if you had a penalty stick, Mm oh, I got the the harsh end of Mm -hmm. the penalty stick. What were you you
0: saying before about the stat, like you you were pulling it up on your phone before, it's like uh, you were trending so much, like 130 Yeah. Um, news articles posted it like that many times. Yeah. I was doing on top of like Wimbledon.
2: Yeah, so I got a um through through a um someone in the media. They gave me um the media monitor um because I got charged by the police. You know. Oh yeah, I'd never heard of anyone getting charged for an on-field incident ever. I got a phone call. I never been cop station. <laughs> got a <laughs> phone call saying <laughs> we want you to come in. Um, we're charging you for assault I was, what are you talking about yeah. and I think I was uh, I heard Dipper Domenico or someone got um, an AFL player once got yeah. thing, but he got off um, so I think I was the first player to be like charged by the police for an on-field incident you know it's crazy man
1: should have gone after Barry Hall bro Barry Hall yeah. ruined yeah. well,
3: <laughs> he was a boxer he wasn't even a footballer
2: yeah I'll reflect back on that week um so Monday started, Tuesday just built up by Wednesday it was a shitstorm, mm. you know. And I was like, This is where Islam mm-hmm. and your family come come. Yeah. Because I'm telling you now, if it wasn't for that, I don't know where I would be. Yeah. So how did you Can navigate? you imagine yeah. you imagine in one day one day your whole life has been pretty simple. You wake up, you go to work, you work in footy come home, you go to footy training because that's what I did from when I was five years old. Come home, you go footy training and then, you know, you played on Saturday. That was my life. My life was working footy, go training footy, um, you know, you play. Uh, That was my life. In one day, your job got taken away from you. You weren't allowed to play footy ever again, you know, Um, and your whole reputation that you built helping people has been tarnished in the media, calling you a thug, you know, all these names, like, I was like, this is a joke. How could this happen? So w- overnight, well, split my whole decision. life, yeah. I just changed.
1: So did you, how did you end up finding out that the AFL were looking to split ways if you? Did you hear that directly from the AFL? Look, or did the media break the news? Yeah.
2: Look, the media were going hard for me to be sacked, sacked. which I, I thought was really unfair. Mm. You know, like, I loved my job, you know, um... It's a local football club, you know. Um sh- I didn't believe it should have impact on my on my job. No one else would lose their job if mm. they did that, you know. Um so yeah, i I always I had a great relationship with Gil McLaughlin, CEO. Um and I still respect him to to today and I mm. still um you know, I still see him, I still catch up with him. People say to me, and he sacked you, like, <laughs> <laughs> what do you, why do you still like him? I said, yeah. well, he had no choice at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, so I I wasn't um, told that you're going to get sacked um, at all. Um, you know, they also will support you, I'll continue to support you, but I knew the day of the tribunal was Thursday um, and, you know, I thought I was going to go in there and get five or six weeks. You know, Barry Hall got seven, Gaff got seven and these guys broke their jaw, knocked them out cold, you know. Yeah. I thought, okay, if I get five or six weeks, yeah. you know, I'll serve my penalty. Um, you know, the AFL might stand me down for a period of time yeah. and then I can go back and do what I need to so do. So your
0: worst case scenario was that five or six yeah. weeks and AFL might stand you down for a bit. Yeah. Okay.
2: You know? And I knew I was gonna have to go do um, you know, some anger management or something like that. <laughs> you know. Um even though I felt like I didn't need it um it was <laughs> and an and isolated an <laughs> isolated incident um split second decision, yeah split yeah. second so anyway, um Thursday was a tribunal and um and the media's gone ballistic still, like this four days in um in that meantime, I've been charged by the police on on the Wednesday, and I felt like it was a set up man, hold <laughs> man, I was living in this. Man, I was living in this bubble, bro. Like yeah. oh, I didn't know who was my friend, who was after me, or who not. Like when the police wanted to charge me, I just didn't even trust anyone anymore. I thought, nah, this is fake. this is a setup. I thought uh, lawyers were set ups. I feel oh, everything was a setup. You know, I was. just... I didn't know where to turn left or right, or do I go to AFL and and you know talk to them about what's happening, or you know they're getting bullied, so you yeah. know like family, so yeah, I was, I was um. I was all over the shop, you know. Um, so finally Thursday, the tribunal come, which I was like, thank God, like normally it's run on a Wednesday, but I pushed it back to a Thursday. Um, and um, I went to the tribunal thinking, that's what's going to happen, you know. I'm going to get five or six weeks. You deserve that. Cop your whack and move on. And um, I remember giving the case and I went for ages and all the media were outside. And then um, I came back in the room they said, Oh, we're giving you 14 weeks. I said, What? I said, You're effing kidding me, aren't you? 14. Where do you get 14 from? How's, how's that even possible to get double of what's the precedence yeah. in the past? You know, like.
1: Local footy as well. Yeah. One of my mates fly kicked an umpire and got 14 weeks. Yeah. That tells an you. An umpire? Is, yeah, an umpire. Actually. Voila. <laughs> I only
2: could go back to, you know, local footy incidents, that Owls you know, involved in and it's seen and mm-hmm. even AFL level, yeah. you know, like the Barry Hall one, et cetera, and go, how do I get double what these guys got? You know, like and at that point I had given up. I just yeah. like i I just felt like everything yeah. was against you. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was I was so tired by that Thursday at that tribunal. I was like, you know what, I'm done and yeah. I just wanna just End this! Mm-hmm. I, I don't want it. you can take my job I and mean, take yeah. the AFL. You could suspend me from footy. Just leave me alone now, and leave my family alone. When my son going to school and and kids were telling him, "Your dad, you know, I seen your dad punch someone." My son's five six years old. He's asking me if I'm gonna go to jail. You know, it's yeah, like, heartbreaking.
0: Spunler, this is also like obviously would, I wouldn't even want to be put in this situation, but it was four days of it. This is like, the fourth day. It was the fourth day, and like you're pretty much saying. Whatever, take my job, take, give whatever Leave you want. Me alone, it's like man. that's four days. That's like Allah just had to put you on a test for four days, not yeah. four months. Yeah. And it's like subhanallah and everything changed.
2: Everything changed, man. And um yeah, fourteen weeks. I couldn't believe it. Cause in local footy, if you've had sixteen weeks or more, it's you're banned for life. Um so I had four weeks of pre mm-hmm. uh, um suspensions, like a total of four weeks, over seventeen years of playing footy. Mm-hmm. You know? Um and they gave me fourteen, so I tipped me over the sixteen weeks. So that means a life ban as well And I knew my job wasn't tenable When you got a life ban All the media's hounding ya And yep. I was like you know what I'll make it easier for him. I'm not going to let him suck me I'll stand down yeah. um, So that's when I went out And stood down for my job yeah. Did it hurt? Of course it hurt you know? No one wants to lose their yeah. job But exactly. you know what I almost felt relieved that night Just to be done with it. You know like just leave me alone now They kept going for another few more days um, You know more stories, but I thought it was over after that, and I could be left alone and then I had to go fight criminal charges, oh you know. wow. so I had to go through court and you know I had a criminal charge, and I had to deal with that went for almost a year and a half um you know, and I couldn't believe it like upstanding community person who devoted his whole life to community yeah. um and giving and helping people to being in the courtroom you know so then the media was back on again you know because the court case was coming up um, got through that and then I got sued civilly civil lawsuit after it from from, from, from. no no from, from the, the guy God, hey, you know um, so then yeah I had to go through that again so four years four years and I don't know if anyone's ever been through something like that but you know you come home and you get a phone call from the lawyer or a letter you just, man. You just want this to go away. Yeah. Like, you just, you always want to move on. So yeah, it was, it was a difficult time, man. It's like, as I said, um, Alhamdulillah, I had family and I had iman. And you know, for me, the the biggest thing was I had this quote, um, you know, and said, "Don't hate anything because you don't know what's good for you." You know, yeah. um, and I truly believe that. Truly, truly believed in my heart, you know So I was going to pray Fajr at the mosque actually at the mosque You know, making the You know, and I knew Allah You know, and He won't test us With anything we can't handle, you know So I, I said, Ya Allah, I'm letting go I'm not going to get angry I'm not going to get depressed I'm, You know, I'm not going to get frustrated um, I'm just going to leave it with Allah You know, because I know Allah You know, um, knows what's good for us yeah. And upon SubhanAllah turned out to be, you know, a blessing after all, you know, the job I'm in now and the work I'm doing and what's happening now. So, yeah, uh, let me tell you, I turned to faith and it was the only thing that really um, got me out of what I did.
1: SubhanAllah, man. Was there a time within the whole aftermath of everything, do you kind of like, do you kind of felt like, kind of still paranoid about the situation? Like they're going to kind of surface something else from this? or do you feel like in the future something else might arise or do you actually feel relieved
2: alhamdulillah man i just i, r- I really feel relieved um, now um when i went back into the industry um so uh, you know when i um, went to richmond football club it was 2 years after um, the incident yeah. at that point i was feeling like they're going to go again you know yeah. do i really want to put myself back in that situation again either you know they're going to come out again and start but Alhamdulillah, you know, Richmond backed me in um, and, you know, there was nothing of it since then. And, you know, I've built all those relationships back up um, in the industry and um, I'm really glad that, that I went back into footy as well because I was reluctant for a little while. Yeah. Um, but there are a lot of good people um, in the industry as well. Um, so I remember um, Gil, Gil said to me, you'll never be defined by your worst moment, you know. So, um, so I'll still carry that as well knowing that, you know, all the good you did, um, people that care about you and love you and respect you um, will still continue to do that. So I remember I caught off Eddie Maguire because when the media was coming at me, I was trying to get advice where I should go, what I should do. And I was getting offered paid interviews to tell my side of the story, but all I was going to do was keep feeding them, yep. you know, and keep putting me in the centre, you know, so... I went to Eddie and I said, mate, what, what do I do? He goes, listen, I'll tell you something about... We live in a bubble, footy, you know. Not everyone reads footy. You know, everyone listens to it. He said, mate, your family, your friend, they care about you, they love you, they'll always love you and they'll always care about you. Mm. People that don't like you, no matter what you do or say, they're not going to like you. Mm. And everyone that's in between... Really doesn't even care They've just moved on You know So there's no use you going out there Trying to defend yourself And tell your side Of the story Because like I said The people that are That hate you Are always going to hate you No matter what you say You mm. know um, So that was some Really good advice as well It's
1: true, no, it's very true. But You feel like it's amplified Because of everything oh. You know They chucked you In a media storm You know Like they just threw you At the front page mm. The headliner on, on a couple of news Bro, I couldn't
2: go anywhere I could not go anywhere man I was You know Anywhere I went People by looking at me or saying something Or remember I was like going to Coles with my son a week later You know, um, around the corner from my house And this old man having a go at me, you know In front of my son and hey, you're a thug yeah, yeah. Wow. Oh, You'll get back. I'm like, man, you don't even know me, man
1: you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, can, uh, I was going to ask you about that as well But subhanAllah man, There's no point of reopening wounds, you know Yeah but Sometimes, bro It's you like like um was it Gil McLaughlin? You, you can't be you can't be judged off your worst Yeah, you're not gonna like
2: be defined by your worst moment, you know. In
1: the din as well. Allah subhanahu yeah. wa ta'ala we get judged based off of the finish line. Yeah. You know? That's it. Not how we you know, not how we're acting during the you know, the best times or the worst times we yeah. get we get judged based off our finish. Yeah. You know? But
2: so Alhamdulillah we got him, man. Like I'm the I'm ta- if it wasn't for that yeah. <laughs> I don't know where I would be, man. I'd be um some rehab facility because, um, yeah,
1: I can only imagine, bro. Like, imagine being public enemy number one. Yeah, like you can actually tell that story. You know, nobody, well, not many people. I'd say maybe not anyone can kind of like come out and say, like, I was, you yeah. know, public enemy number one yeah. for a couple of days. Yeah.
2: So did did I do the wrong thing? Yes, I did the wrong thing. Did I? Was I punished worse than all, Yeah, I was. I felt yeah. like I was got the worst of the worst you know yeah court cases and sack from jobs and life bans from footy. And yeah. man that's, that's i got the extreme yeah. of the punishment you public
1: know. disgrace as well public
2: disgrace yeah. Mate, i was you know untouchable mm-hmm. after that incident you know
1: Let, let's let's i want to switch gears now to the positive stuff good because uh, we've got to finish uh, it yeah we got to finish it properly we can't just <laughs> that's go, it oh, yeah. yeah let's we talk let's, let's move, we moved <laughs> on that's we moved on <laughs> Uh, we'll talk a little bit about your work with Richmond, yeah, because obviously that that's kind of the revival, you know, if if you're Eminem coming back, the revival. <laughs> you know? So tell us a little bit about like what your job entailed at Richmond and and the kind of initiatives you're working on. Currently. Yeah,
2: well, it was funny. Like remember when I was telling you about you know these young people volunteering and networks, how important they are, and um, so the person they employed me at Essendon Football Club was a guy called Simon Matthews. Um, he was a general major of community and media um at Esnum Footy Club. Um subhanallah so Low always kept a relationship, even when I went to the AFL, mm-hmm. kept a relationship with him. Um and he was working at Richmond at that time and Basher was obviously playing. Mm-hmm. Um and we had set up the Basher Woolley programs for the AFL and he called me up and um he said, Mate, why don't you come work for us? I said, well, Richmond. He said, Yeah, come come work with me, you know. And um this is where no one wanted to touch me, you know, like I was Blacklisted You know No one The the media um, On their backs Employing Someone who just You know Done whatever He had to do And I said Oh do you reckon It's good Right time He said mate We'll back you You know You're a good Young person Blah 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 And I spoke to Basher What do you reckon um, He's like come Mate great club Great culture You know I love it here so yeah, ended up Just for context,
1: what year was this? Sorry. Two thousand
2: nineteen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the year of the premiership. Yeah, yeah. I got there at the good. right time. Um so I ended up taking the job um at Richmond and um they employed me. So I was um I did community strategy, um, but we also were setting up the Bashawille Foundation as a non for profit own so entity as well. So, um, you know, I was leading leading that. Plus Richmond were gonna do a redevelopment um we're doing now, which Bashawuli Foundation was going to be a key part of that as well. So it's, it's a really good role where you work across the whole organisation, but large chunk of it, because um, it's my passion, has um, you know been in the Bashawuli Foundation and um, something I'm loving at the moment, um, what we're doing. And like I said, subhanAllah, you don't know what's good for you. When I was at the AFL, I loved my job, I was getting paid well, but I was travelling a lot, I was away from home a lot, you mm. know, it was time consuming of coming to a job when I have to travel as much um, and still passionate and loving what I do and having to let the pays, you know, um, reflective of that as well. So, um, so yeah, working at, at Richmond Footy Club and it was a great time to work. Two premierships, part of yeah. two premierships, part of a great club. You know, Basher was playing there, so everything was going well. Looks
1: looked like an amazing culture, you know. Something that was harnessed by, you know, Dima's... Perspective on on football and life yeah. in general, and there's something that I've spoken to Basha with, like in regards to like how he's been brought in from a, a club that kind of didn't harness, yeah. you know, that accept that difference as much, you know, like with the the after, yeah, the after footy drinks and so on, yeah, yeah, kind of had like a bit of a thing, but he didn't know, like he just, it's like, it's all speculation and stuff, yeah, there's there's no big thing, but like. You can kind of see that there's like a different, you know, there's a different temper at, at Richmond, yeah. You know, and and there's something there when it, when it speaks through like the people that they had playing for the team. <laughs> for example, Mar- Marlon Pickett, mm. you know, yeah, played two grand finals, was it? Yeah, and he had just his first game since I think he, he he's he was released from prison. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like the the actions are beyond. Yeah, what they have to say for being the people that accept people from second ch- for second chances. Yeah, that's right. That's, so that
2: was one of the reasons, you know, why I sort of committed to going to Richmond as well is because if you think about, you know, they had amazing leaders like Peggy O'Neill, Brendan Gale, um, Damien Hardwick. You know, they were a strong club, but they always were a club where they gave people a chance, second chance, and didn't define them by their worst moment. Ben Cousins, mm. yeah, no one would touch him. Mm. Richmond took him, you know. Mm. Marlon Pickett, you know, they, they were the ones that were giving people that second chance. And they were brave, you know, to do that because no one else wanted to take a risk on these guys, you know. So um, and it just speaks about their leadership, you know. I, I remember everyone used to, because I worked closely with all clubs when I was at the AFL, everyone used to talk about, oh, you know, Richmond people used to say great culture, yeah, but every club used to say that about their footy mm. club. And I said, Basha, is it really. Great culture You know Every club says they got a great culture You know he says, Mate, Trust me You feel it when you come You know yeah. mm. And subhanAllah um, The first six months I was like Yeah It's like any other club But Been there now For four years You know It, it is a Pretty special place SubhanAllah
1: Definitely I think Before we wrap up the episode I think You do deserve your flowers <laughs> I'll be honest Because <laughs> I've worked closely With you as As, as you know and um, one thing that I've seen, at least from following the Bashar Huli Foundation over the past couple of years and even before your your entry point into that into that role, I can see Mashallah is a lot more professionalism. There's a lot more opportunity. Like, for example, the boys played on the MCG. Yeah. Like, just not, what, a month ago or so? And I, I got to watch it and I got to see the faces of the kids afterwards. And, you know, that's something that, like, not a lot of people would have thought would be possible. But yeah. obviously interjecting whole, mashallah. <laughs> the situation yeah. was ended up becoming possible and I kind of see the the difference it's making on the kids and I think you do deserve your props yeah. and you shouldn't be judged based off of one split second decision like imagine judging somebody based off of a half a second yeah. you know somebody might live how long do you live for now? 39 got got the age out <laughs> 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 but yeah 39 years you sp- you're judging him for a half a second or an incident that kind of happened in the heat of the moment so I'll definitely give you that you nah know?
2: thanks I'm super passionate about it but at the end of the day we keep reminding ourselves as staff mm-hmm. that you know we don't do this for um, acknowledgements from people we do everything we do with the Bashar Holy Foundation is for the sake of Allah and Bashar has been a great ambassador of that that no matter what we do what program we implement no matter what session we're delivering what commitment everything is for the sake of Allah and when you put it for the sake of sake of Allah then, you know, you can see how much it grows and prospers. It's like a plant, you know, it just mm-hmm. continues to grow. So, you know, we're big on our team in in having the right intentions, um, why we're doing this. And, you know, even though we're getting paid and it's our job um, to do it, um, you know, we're also seeking the reward of Allah, which is the most important thing, you know. And, and Alhamdulillah, to see the foundation grow in the last nine years from where we started to what it is now, yes. you know, across five states we're delivering programs, mm-hmm. twelve programs. We do employment, education, you know, um, engagement and talent, you know, it's it's unbelievable. Five thousand young people engaged in the program. Mm-hmm. But I do gotta give credit to AFL, like and Richmond Footy Club, like to support, you know, these programs, you know, mm-hmm. national body. No other sporting code does it. We've we've been spoiled through AFL, you know, they've been the leader in this space as well. So um Big things to come still. We're yeah, not definitely. done yet. <laughs> We're not done yet, inshallah.
1: Definitely, inshallah. No five-year plan for you, huh? No five-year <laughs> plan. Yeah, yeah, Live, in Live in the moment. Live in the moment. I was going to ask you, yeah, but no, definitely, um, I just wanted to finish up on this last thing. Yeah?
2: You got a smile on your face, so it's... <laughs>
1: <laughs> not all smiles are uh, devious, yeah? But, um, no, I was going to ask you what advice you'd give to your younger self. Like, Eighteen, seventeen-year-old Ali, for you know, he's coming out of school. He's gonna go do uni. Have you yeah. now? What advice would you give him?
2: It's funny because we ask the same question to the kids in our program. When I say kids, they're young boys and young girls. You know, um, about you know, or well, we'll write a letter to your younger self. You know, and um, I, I just think I would say to myself, have fun. Um, you know, stay true to your values your islamic values as well be proud of who you are um i remember although i was practicing muslim i would hide that side i, I almost lived in two worlds you know when i was with footy guys i'll be a footy guy but you know i wouldn't break islamic um our faith but you know I, i'd live in two worlds almost you know between my school friends my footy friends and what i was really like at home so i was never i was never my best version you know, of who I really am in all those environments. So, yeah, I would say, Ali, just be proud of who you are, Australian Muslim, um, Lebanese, um, and and be you, doesn't matter what your environment is, whether you're at school, whether you're at a footy club, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's that's something I would, I would tell my younger self.
1: I'll give you the floor now. Is there anything that people need to know about or need to hear about some initiative you're working on
2: um, yeah, look, we've got plenty going on. We're, we're really excited. Um, the Bashawal Employment Program is growing. Um, so any young Muslim boys or girls um, looking to get into um, jobs in football, keep an eye out on the foundation because um, there's heaps of opportunities, whether it's in the media, community, etc. Um, so we're doing traineeships yeah. um, and jobs. Um, and we are p- potentially looking at starting um, – a sports college, the 11-12 Vcal sports college um, in 2024. So those that like learning through sport um, and not traditional education, um, you know, inshallah, we're going to create uh, an environment, an Islamic environment where they can go and get their and, and Is it like CEDA? Pretty much, like Cedar, yeah. Cedar. Yeah. Cedar. Yeah. Might be in partnership with CEDA. Um, Why not? But... Uh, you know, particularly for the kids that go to like the Islamic schools, who parents still want them to pray and, and have that Islamic environment. Um, you know, we want to create that environment for them because yeah. there is nothing out there for for those young sporting kids.
1: It's, this is Australia wide, or is this? Yeah, straight wide. I yeah. forget we're international. Yeah? Anything. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we only got our <laughs> Ali got for like more, yeah. <laughs> We'll get there. We'll get there one day. <laughs> Inshallah. Uh, uh, thank you very much for watching, everybody. I want to thank you again, Ali, for coming on. Honestly, this has been a great experience for I think all of us. I'll speak for everyone. That was and, good fun. Um, you'll definitely come back on. You'll <laughs> get, your, get your ass whooped again by Ashaf and I want a rematch. We're going to have a rematch. <laughs> definitely. <Izzakallah. laughs> Don't forget, like, comment, subscribe, turn on the notification bell, and yeah, have a good one.